cliffcentral.com Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com Welcome back to Future CEOs. A fantastic conversation with John Demartini, Dr. John Demartini, as per usual. I know I'm a bit rusty because I haven't been in studio, but now I'm warm for our next guest, warming it up. And do you know what? I love the fact that he's got such a journey of life and a story to tell and what he's doing with his life currently really hits home for me specifically as an HIV AIDS ambassador and activist. So, so before we get into that, remember if this is if you've just joined us, if you can answer yes, I'm a future CEO, then this is a show for you. We're here to try and exp- help you expedite either the growth of your business or your or the, your, your career journey. And how do we do it? We bring the best and the brightest into studio. CEOs that are are doing have done it and are doing it. Are you a CEO that has done it and is doing it, uh, Ross? Well, uh, certainly surviving the journey and uh, <laughs> enjoying well, that, it so far. That's a good start. Ross Bierman, the CEO of All All Life. Yeah. Um, welcome into studio. We're grateful to have you here. Uh, well, you know what we do? We we don't generally introduce people. Um, I know sometimes in the last conversation with doc, Dr. Demartini, Martini, we couldn't help herself. But we asked them to introduce themselves. So would you please do that and just give us a, little, a sense of who you are? Where do you grow up? Well, how, how did you get to a point where you're sitting here as a CEO? Well, uh, I'm a Cape Townian, firstly, so I always tell people they should be thrilled that I talk to them because we're very cliquey down in Cape <laughs> oh, Town. Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, so, <laughs> so I grew up in Cape Town. Um, I was an engineer for three months, three years and one day. I studied engineering um, three years and one day because I had a bursary and I gave nine months notice and I miscalculated a crude leave. Okay. I, didn't, I wasn't going to be a lifetime engineer. <laughs> yeah. um, so so worked as an engineer for a little bit and then uh, I went to business school and uh, I uh, went across to the U.S. and worked for an investment bank there sure. in uh, corporate finance, as they told me it was pronounced. It's not finance. <laughs> All right. You finance. finance your car, okay. I was told on day one. Uh, so, <laughs> so I worked in corporate finance, M&A, um, and then I missed home. Uh, I wanted to come back uh, back to South Africa. Uh, but you can't go back to Cape Town after after being in Cape Town. It's just too quiet. It's too it's quiet, too, too sleepy. Too, uh, yeah. You know, kind of it's it's drowsy. It's it's a it's a great place to retire to, but it's it's not a great place to work. Mm. Um, so uh, so came came back to, back home. Came to Joburg. Uh, worked a bit in private equity, and then started up a business with a friend and sold out of that at the end of two thousand and three, and then started up all life with a, a couple of friends. Uh, sitting around having coffee, and we we thought uh, this is where we what we wanted to do. And now we've got about uh, three hundred or people in the business. So we launched in the UK mm-hmm. uh, last month, and uh, uh, you know, kind of it's been a fourteen year, thirteen year journey so far. Wow! Um, and great fun. So, what exactly does your company do? Okay, so um, all life in South Africa provides life insurance to people living with HIV and 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 diabetes. Uh, so those big groups of people, so there's about 17% of the adult population in South Africa is HIV positive. About 12% of the adult population is diabetic. So mm-hmm. so we we operate in quite a big uh, segment. And what we do that's pretty different to life insurance companies in general and what kind of happened when uh, I was sitting with uh, Avron and Paul uh, having coffee, We what uh, we said is actually life companies work in a very strange way. What they do is they take their data and they try and price people perfectly. Try and figure out exactly who you are. Mm. And we said, actually, that's the wrong way to do it. Why don't we use our data to turn our clients into perfect people? 
So instead like of that. instead of trying mm. to look for those perfect people, like that um, just help our clients be those people. Look, look, uh, I'm going to interrupt because it, mm. it could be quite salesy. Or you start saying, I like okay, that. Okay, it right. could just be sales you're, talk. That's yeah. why you're my business oh. partner. The handbrake, the handbrake. Mm. So, so just describe yes. what that really entails well, for us, please. Well, well so, if, so if you look at uh, people living with HIV, mm. and, and uh, we were sitting down in 2004, you saw there was a small group of people who you could identify as doing the right thing. And that normally life companies go after that small group of mm. people and everybody else struggles to access life insurance. And that's what's underwriting about. Uh, and we said, well, that very small group of people you could tell were doing the right thing. And what, what, what defines it as doing the right thing in Jeez. HIV is, is what you're going to do over the next 20 years. You know, kind of manage your health, mm. you know, regular CD4 count and viral loads, take your drugs at the right time, do everything kind of on a schedule. Um, what matters is what you do over the next 20 years. What you did last year is actually largely irrelevant, mm. right? So, so we said, well, that very small group of people, it's very hard to find them and it's very hard to, 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 to produce a business just aimed at that very small group of people. And then we said, well, instead of trying to find them, how about we help everybody else be that, those kinds of people? Because we know actually from the data what you should do. And actually people want to know what to do. They want to be empowered. They want to know how they should be behaving and what they should be doing to live a long time. And the longer our clients live, you know, the better for us sure. and the better for them. So everybody kind of wins. It's, it's a kind of, if, I mean, if we're going to relate it to a bigger brand out in the market, it's kind of the, the discovery thing, what they do with their vitality program. Yeah. Can, is that, can we relate it to that? So, so, so it's similar. I mean, so, 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 except this is an outbound driven process. So yes. we keep track of our clients' uh, health and then we intervene. We send them text okay, messages. Lovely. We send them lovely. reminders. We, we call them. We so email them. You, all that kind you of stuff. assist them to manage it. Yeah. Not, uh, so it's not a passive thing. It's very, very hands-on, very active. Yes, it's very active and very bespoke. Very but nice. it's, but it's also so. So it was about kind of figuring out how to help people do the. And, and it's not, it's not the cutting edge kind of stuff because actually, it's eighty twenty here. The the twenty percent of effort to get eighty percent of the results, mm. and that that effort is around just getting people into a regular beat, no, reminding them when to do mm. stuff, getting them to go for stuff that's available. But maybe they've forgotten or it's not urgent or whatever it is. So getting people to move down that path. And once we'd figured out how to do that from a, um, an IT driven perspective. So, you know, kind of we got, we, we had to de- deliver the IT that actually allows us to deliver this, uh, mm. this kind of intervention. Then we saw some other interesting stuff. Um, like what? So, so, uh, uh, the life, life insurance industry was entirely driven through brokers, through intermediaries, um, in 2004. Um, so, and when we went to market, we thought, okay, well, we've got a product here. And by the way, we're backed by Genry. So that's uh, part of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett. Yeah, the Warren Buffett. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to ask about <laughs> the name. It's, it's uh, you know, kind of, it's not that we know each other personally, I'd have to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's but a nice yeah. name to drop. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it always gets a response. Uh, so, um, so, so they actually stand behind the risk risk on our product so they, they you know kind of it's a nice story so it's a nice marketing message but actually the reality is there's some very deep pockets who stand behind and go actually, yeah exactly you've done the data correctly you are actually having impact on longevity you are actually changing people's lives um so we went to market and we found that uh, brokers actually felt uncomfortable dealing with people who were living with hiv really? they didn't know what to do they didn't no. know you know, kind of how to react and how to interact. Now, there's a sensitivity there that you may or may not have of developed. Course. Yeah. Yeah. And be skilled, mm. upskilled to mm. do. Mm. And then, yeah. I mean, and the stigma associated with HIV meant actually clients didn't want to deal with brokers who were mm. often peers, who were often in their social setting. Mm. They didn't want to reveal their status mm. uh, to brokers. So suddenly we were sitting with a product that uh, would help out 70% of the population, but no ability to distribute. Mm. 
So we were forced to become a direct player. So we, you know, we're on TV. We, send, you know, there's lots of advertising. We're uh, we're sending text messages. We do all the irritating things direct direct marketers <laughs> do, right? They get to to reach to reach clients. Um, um, so so, but we had to go that way because the existing distribution wouldn't actually sell the products. Mm. So so we went that way. And when you do that, you also you you see clients much earlier. So you see people when they're thinking about getting life insurance as opposed to when they actually have life insurance. Mm. And kind of nobody knows why people get life insurance. Huh? I'm looking around the room, and odds are that uh, that nobody else in this room has life insurance. <laughs> um, but so, so, so nobody really understands why why it is in the moment why somebody gets life insurance. So it might be that a car drives close to your foot. You think, oh, if that had hit me, my dependents, my yeah, family, my, my loved parents, ones. my kids, my spouse, my. Uh, extended family, whatever it is, th- they would have really suffered. And in that moment, you go, maybe I should think about getting life insurance, mm-hmm. right? And then every day that goes by that you don't actually get it was actually a great day not to have bought it, right? Because you saved the premium. It's one of the few self-reinforcing non-purchase products out there. So if you decide you want life insurance today and you haven't managed to access it a month later and you're still alive, okay, <laughs> It was a good idea not to get it. Mm. Right? You saved the month's premium. Yep. If you died, you don't actually know that you died. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody knows but you. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, so what happens is the faster, the closer you are to that moment that you can actually serve a client, the more likely you are to actually give a client what they want, kind of when they want it, mm. and Charm. and and kind of then we focus our technology on that on actually changing the customer experience, changing the way people interact with us, allowing people to get really access to life cover when they want it, as they wanted it. And that's what's resulted in our launch in the UK. Um, uh, what a great business. Oh, no, I agree. And let, oh, let's oh, dig oh, into... Oh. Let's, See, we've let's got like, in, we're like, okay. No, okay, no, we need to dig into the man behind the business. Absolutely. Then because you're, you're also the founder, of course, you, as yeah. you mentioned, 2004, there was work. the founding stages of this. But before that even, I, I'm interested to know, is this just a, the numbers made sense, so we did it? Why? What's the, what's the origin, Why? what's the real origin story here? So, so, so there's, there's, there's a combination, right? Mm. So there's a... I, th- I think everybody in business would like to really have real impact on their clients' lives. Absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. most people actually just don't get the chance sometimes. So, you know, kind of you have, you get some peripheral in- impact. So, so, so when you see a, and I mean, we didn't actually think when we were talking, we, we thought surely this gap can't exist. I mean, it's 17% of the adult so population large, yeah. can't actually not be served. And if you go back to 2004, that's Tabo and Becky, that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of HIV is front and center in the, uh, in the kind of public consciousness. You, I mean, you're very aware about it. You're very aware of, uh, of, of what's going on in the country. And it's a, it's a space that, that you want to be able to influence. And, and then when you, when mm. you get to see the data, mm. you actually, you become quite passionate because the difference between doing the right thing and the wrong thing is so dramatic. Right, it's just, it's just, it's just insanely dramatic. So, so the ability to have impact on that space—that's, you know, a massive uh, driving force. But also, the fact is, it is a—it's a great business opportunity because actually, it's a place where nobody else wants to be, and you can actually deliver change into that space. So, you know, kind of, it's, it's neither one or the other. It's a combination of those those two things. But it really was about being able to have that kind of impact, but in a great business. So I, I okay, can I ask a Gee, was I mean, I'm also here, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lessons learned. How long has this business been operating? So 13 years. 13 years. That's a good innings. Yeah, no, no. no. But I'm sure there have been low times, setbacks, failures, disadvantages. There's been insane moments. Bring it. We want to hear. (laughs) We want to hear that. So I remember the the three of us sat down together and uh, we spoke about how long it would take. So we figured this out. You know, so, so the story I've just told you, we figured out in the first week. Mm. And so that was the interesting part. Mm. And the rest is sweat mm. and tears yeah, and yeah. struggle and strife. The true story. Yeah. So we, we sat down and, and I still remember the first time we went to go speak to a, a reinsurer. And they said to us, well, how, okay, nice story. That sounds good, right? Well, how long is it going to take you to launch? Because you've got to automate a whole lot of things that don't exist. You've got to do a whole lot of stuff that doesn't happen anywhere in the world. Sure. How long is it going to take you to launch? And we'd spoken about this before because we figured we'd be asked this question. And, and we figured that anything imaginable could be done in three months. Okay. Anything. I mean, you could, uh, uh, they wasted time on the mission to the moon. I mean, I don't know what they did for the decade. Okay. <laughs> anything imaginable could be delivered in three months. So we wanted to be conservative. So we said six months. Yeah, okay, so well, at least you were conservative. We launched two years <laughs> later. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I'll say, and yeah, kind of, and that, that, that two years is, is a slog because you see, uh, so, so, so 2004, if you want to know what else launched in 2004, Facebook launched in 2004. Sure. So, 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 so you get these stories that, that swell up in the public consciousness and it all feels instantaneous, mm. right? It all feels like people appear out of nowhere, right? It's <laughs> a, um, so, I mean, uh, last week we were called a startup, right? It's taken us 13 years to be called a startup. It's quite, <laughs> it's, you know, kind of, it takes a long time to become an instantaneous success is the, is the learnings here. I mean, sure. the, uh, you take just so many little steps and those little steps can be quite depressing because you, you look at the work you do and you go, I just took this tiny step. Mm. So but true. A, but a lot so of those true. steps turn into you, you go a long way. It's it's taking one one little step after another is how you build a business. Most businesses, I mean, the, well, there are a few that just skyrocket. Right? What's so interesting is that even in the space here in Cliff Central, and we've we've heard it from the founders a number of times, is that they've had people that they've they, they turn to advisors, and those advisors say, "Look, you, your business, you don't even know what business you're in for the first three years. <laughs> you're still fig- you're figuring it out the first three years. Only after that will you really begin to understand. At least you seem to have an understanding of what business you're in." Initially, um, c- can you give us an example or two of just what <clears throat> what kind of tension you were under, what kind of frustration you had to experience? Well, well so, um, so so obviously there's you know kind of things don't go go perfectly smoothly. You have disagreements amongst um, amongst your team, you mm. have <coughs> shouting <laughs> arguments, and you know, I, I, you know I tell people if they would just listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I keep on saying. You know, all the time. Yeah, things will be much calmer and easier. Gosh, right? I don't believe this. No. Uh, you, you can just come back next sure. year. <laughs> Gareth's favorite guest. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, so I mean, I, I think that the biggest transition point was, uh, you know, we were having to fund the business. So, so we were working as consultants on the side and had all life starting mm. up mm. on the other side. So building the infrastructure, but you have to earn a living. You have to. Um, in fact, in the month uh, we launched actually into the market, my daughter Emily was born. So oh, in the wow. same month we launched oh, into wow. the Crazy market. Times. Yeah, Crazy exactly. times. Yeah. Yeah. Very careful planning. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so, uh, so you, you're funding, you, you're building, actually we, we actually built a surprisingly big consulting business while building all life. And mm. then we had to make a decision. We had to say, well, is, are we going to do this thing or are we not going to do this thing? Mm. And, and we shut it down. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Um, and that, 
that call was quite, you know, kind of quite, quite tough. That, uh, that kind of letting go of this, uh, of this business you'd actually built by the by, mm. um, and, uh, and choosing to focus everything on, on, on one thing. It's quite a big moment for, for us as individuals. Um, cause then we were finding it out of our, our bonds and our, mm. our, our, uh, finding it a bit out yeah, of depth. Per- personal, Absolutely. Yeah, personal uh, risk, massive personal exactly. risk. Exactly. And, and I appreciate that. I, I, I'm so grateful that you're sharing it because mm. too many people, are, I think they, they, they feel like there is this place that you can go where there's lots of money that you can tap into and it's this magical world of, of venture capital, but that's not always mm. the reality for many businesses. And here is a working example of that. I mean, there, of course, must have been funding that came as a, as a result of certain traction that you've experienced, but that's that's later on. Correct. I mean, I think that the, the key so, – so, I mean, I do come out of M&A and private equity. Yeah. So, so we have raised – I mean, we, we discovered – so one of the other insanities is we thought actually building an insurance business wasn't going to cost a lot. Mm. Okay, so, okay. So we've raised hundreds and yeah, hundreds of millions. It's a computer program. We've got like, how difficult can it be? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but kind of the, the one key thing is that, that uh, funds invest in businesses, not in ideas. Mm. You have to take the idea – and turn it into a business so that people can invest. And a lot of people come with a very early stage, so, so early stage, it's a, it really is an idea. There's no delivery, there's no execution, there's none of that. Mm. But it's, So you've got to get over a certain milestone to be able to access funding. But funding changes your business quite dramatically. Mm. Change, suddenly you go from having, uh, uh, so literally having no boss, right, to, to having a board and to having shareholders yep. and to having other exactly. people that you have to report to. And, it's, and it changes the interaction in the in the business over time. Mm. You're highly educated, as you said. How do you, in this point in time, still self-empower yourself and educate yourself just to keep on upskilling yourself? What do you do? So there's, uh, so, so, so people are just very interesting, right? I mean, I, I get to meet some, some, some insane people along the way. I get, uh, uh, so, so, Kind of being in now what's a, what's a, call it a medium sized business in, in South Africa. You get approached by people who have interesting thoughts or ideas or you run into people when you, when you travel and, and that engagement is unbelievable. I mean, mm. people have, have some very interesting stories if you give them the chance to tell them or you, if you figure out where they're coming from and actually you, you drill down to the kernel of what, of, of what they're saying. And there's, there's some just very interesting journeys and tales out there that help you keep growing and thinking and mm-hmm. interacting. I, li- I like that. It's, it's a little bit more real than I read a book. It's very, very real. I, I do like read, I, I read a book a day. Do you really? Yeah. A, a book a day? A, a book a day. Fiction. So I've run out of anything good. Okay. okay so. Okay. That's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, on, on uh, ad, uh, do you have a, do you have a special skill that when we, you're not telling us, no, so, okay, are you able to speed read? No, so from uh, so, so, so everybody cool. in my house is probably asleep by about ten. Okay, I go to sleep by about uh, one a.m. All right, yeah. So between between yeah. ten and one a.m., I'm you're reading. I'm, I'm reading mm. with my Kindle. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So. Very nice. Flubi, how are you feeling about Ross as a CEO? Loving a story, skills or connections in business, Ross. So, to be successful. So, so, so I mean, so, 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 you know, I, I, I didn't start a business as a student, right? So, mm. so, so, so you have a, you have mm. a different skill set. You have a different uh, connection set. Mm. What you have is also a different risk appetite, mm. right? So, so when you're a student, you're risking very little, right? When you, when you're a professional in a career, you actually you have a, an, an opportunity space that is driven by a, a career path in a corporate. 
which has significant value. Correct. Okay? And that's actually what you trade off against entrepreneurship. So it's not necessarily the you can have the same quality idea, but if your own risk capacity is different, you're unable to chase it down. So as as you get a little bit further down the career track, you have better capabilities. Just you've got better experience. You've you've done a few more things, and you and you know a few more people, and doors open because. Uh, uh, you're considered a professional and, and it's easier to get in to see people. But on the other side, you risk more and it's harder to actually take that risk and, uh, and actually deliver on the opportunity. So, so the professional piece had really helped along the, on, along the way. But the opportunity cost trade-off is also makes it quite difficult to actually be in a later stage, later stage. And so we started all life. I was 30. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, so, uh, uh, entrepreneur. When, well, maybe maybe I can ask the, this uh, question a little bit differently. I want to just pull us back to the the idea of team management because you're a CEO. Yeah. That's a real thing at the top. So uh, I'll, I'll quickly introduce it this way. We often ask uh, individuals who, uh, when they first started out, what percentage of of your work was technical and what of uh, what part of it was leadership or people orientated. And most people will say ninety percent technical, ten percent people. And they're just doing their bit. Yeah. In in the C, the case of the CEO, it really changes. It flips on its head. It's ninety percent people or leadership, ten percent technical. Is that accurate for you? And just describe maybe uh, your let's call it leadership style, if you wouldn't mind. So, <laughs> so, so there's there's uh, there's stuff you learn along the way. So if you if you start out in a small business, you know you get the uh, so I got I got the title CEO amongst the three of us because I actually like talking to people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, kind of, and that was that was that was kind of a key requirement. But nobody's managing anybody. Right. Mm. Um, so you're a small team. Everybody kind of does what they're meant to do. And uh, and then as you start scaling, as you start growing, then the business starts changing. Right? I mean, we've turned into the corporate we didn't want to be in. Right? Mm. I mean, that's the that's uh, the reality you know, of growth. I think so true. Yeah. It's, I mean, so 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 the business changes, and then you've got to figure out whether you're happy. With the role you now have to play, and you start learning about the new role, and at, as kind of as the business has scaled, so so my role has changed over time. Mm. Um, but it, it it does shift from that uh, ninety ten to ten ninety, mm. um, and it's quite interesting to realize that you've got to be able. To, it's hard to value stuff that you don't do. Right? It's much easier to point to something point. that you did mm. and go, look, I had a good day. Look what I delivered. Look what I produced. And you've got to go, I had a good day because. Actually, everything ran smoothly around mm. me. Mm. Okay, mm. and actually, but it appears like I did very little, and I'm okay with that, right? So, so, so there has to be a mind shift change. And then, if you if you say my management style, so I'm not great at giving people structure. So okay. I'm very, you know, so I, so so there are there are people who operate well in structured environments, mm-hmm. um, and kind of people in our environment at the senior level have to come along and create structure around them. Mm. Okay, so. Uh, I'm more of the disruptor in our business, if you will. I, I, I'm more. I'm, I'm more not surprised. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so, 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 you know, kind of, and you can only have one or two of those. Yeah. Very, very destructive to an organization. Uh, but I kind of, I force change. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and force action and force delivery. Love that. Sometimes, and, and sometimes break other pieces of the business as a result, right? Mm. So you, there's, there's a trade off to, to forcing that, that level of change. So you were saying that you are the destructive type. How do then? Pe- but you well, uh, evol- uh, have you evolved into that? Well, I'm you know so, 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 so I'm relatively disruptive. Okay. Would be the, yeah, and know, disruptive kind of a, is better word than destructive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, not <laughs> destructive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Disruptive. So, yes, absolutely. Okay, so. how, how do the how do you work with people that aren't then that don't oh. necessarily see what you're seeing? Well, so, so I mean, 
you know, very comfortable with fairly open, robust debates, you know, mm. kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, lots of use of the whiteboard and explaining logical pos- positions. Very, very logical, very problem solving approach comes from engineering, mm. comes from that kind of, mm. kind of background. And there's no kind of set solution. What you're looking for is the best answer. And, and if it's not mine, that's, that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It may take a whole lot of other people to, to convince me of the case. <laughs> sure. But, uh, but, uh, you know, kind of what we're looking for is the best answer, not someone's answer. Mm. And as long as that's the framework in which we operate, then we actually get some great outcomes. He's mm. got a great sense of humor. Uh, I agree. A great sense of humor. I think when you're starting a business and you've run it for two years yeah. on your own funds, you kind of have to have a good sense of humor. I think humor. that's like <laughs> a, a good leadership skill as well. Just, uh, you know, I think Dr. Martini would have enjoyed that part of, you know, just the office scenario is having a good sense of humor at some point. No, absolutely. Yes, Ross, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, you have to do. Uh, yeah, the saddest thing, though, is <laughs> as as the business grows up, I I now have to leave the office party for everybody to have fun. So you know everybody's yeah, well behaved. Yeah, I'm in the yeah, I'm in the room, yeah. and you know, and and I'm still somewhat surprised that I'm that guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kind of say, time flies. Exactly. It's like you you you're not. You know, you have to leave, yeah. and and you got to think. Okay, I guess you know this is this is uh, this is early enough. I, I'll, I'll give the guys a chance to let their hair down, and I need to leave. I need to leave. It's like a, for people to have a party, I now need to leave, which is a bit. Uh, Come to that. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a strange face. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the evolution of, of leadership and and a CEO. We have run out of time yeah, almost. No uh, there, there's one question we always ask everyone, so maybe you can give us just a, one or two points here, and it's. If you can go back in time and speak to the young future CEO you, 20 years old, what would you say to Ross Bierman, the 20-year-old future CEO? Don't be so stressed. Okay. Don't, don't, you know, kind of, uh, so life is made up of a ton of little good or bad decisions. It's not, there isn't this big moment that you can actually point to, but if you make enough good, little good decisions along the way, you'll get the right, uh, the right outcome. Okay, fantastic. Make good little decisions. And and consistently. consistently. Yeah. Just consistently. I like, Just consistently. I like that a lot. Very nice. Ross, thank you for being here in studio. That's the voice of Ross Bierman, the CEO of All Life Group. We are so grateful for you sharing your insights with us today. I know. Thanks so much for having me. Making us feel good. Thank you so much, Ross. Clubia, are you happy today? I'm feeling so great. Thank you so much, Ross. All right. So we will be back same time, same place. And these feel-good feelings that Fubi's feeling, that I'm feeling, that I hope Ross is feeling, you can feel too next week, same time, same place. See you then. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.